Boundless Authenticity Podcast, where we discuss everything related to the evolution of human consciousness. Thanks for tuning in to the Boundless Authenticity Podcast. And today we have a return guest, Shelly A. Kerr, the past life lady. For over two decades, Shelly has worked with thousands of people around the world, helping them achieve greater peace and happiness in their lives. Shelly is a world-renowned past life regressionist, and her method of combining energy work with hypnosis has been endorsed by numerous leaders in the field of consciousness, including near-death experience pioneer Dr. Raymond Moody and Dr. Brian Weiss. She received her doctorate of philosophy in parapsychic science from the American Institute of Holistic Theology in 2001. You can visit Shelly online at pastlifelady.com or you can check out her Facebook fan page, Past Life Lady, Instagram at Shelly Care, that's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-K-A-E-H-R, and she has a YouTube channel, Past Life Lady. Let's hop into the chat and see what Shelly has to say. So Shelly, how's it going? I'm doing great, Jayhan. How are you? I'm doing great. Shelly, you're one of my favorite guests so far. I'm very excited to talk about your book, Past Lives in Ancient Lands. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. It's great to be with you. Yeah. So I got to know before I ask you anything else, what was the inspiration for this book? Um, I really always wanted to write this one. It's been in my mind for many, many years um, because most of the regressions that people go into are usually into like um, maybe the 1800s, the 1900s, 1700s. And, but there's some really interesting ones where people go back to some of the earlier times that I hadn't really covered in any other books. And then I wanted to write a whole separate book called Past Lives in Outer Space and then my fabulous publisher, Llewellyn, we kind of got together and said, wait a minute, what about both? That sounds even better, you know? So that's kind of how it came about. Wait a minute. There's past lives in outer space. Well, there's a section in this book where I talk about people who believe they were out in space in their regressions. Yes. Yeah, so I was going to do a whole book on that and maybe I still will in the future. You never know, but um, they just thought maybe, you know, I think ancient lands and other worlds, let's face it, there's something there for everybody, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was just being silly. I have read the book and I have had uh, a memory from being on a planet, it seems like, and the sky was pink. So, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been working, Shelly. <laughs> wow. Did you see yourself at all or did you just see the planet? Yeah. In all of my past lives, I was able to see myself and see what I looked like. And, um, what did you look like? Them, so, yeah, in many of them, I have very long hair, which is interesting because in this lifetime, I can't stop growing my hair out. <laughs> I wow. always say, I say to my girlfriend or to my mom or other people, um, I just don't feel normal when my hair isn't long. It's like I'm unplugged from something, you know? Wow. Interesting. Yeah. That is so cool. I think a, uh, a great read would be past lives in space though. I mean, cause you always hear about the other stuff, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that's forthcoming, <laughs> I guess. 
This is just to whet the appetite, I guess, before we get into more. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you get into the field of past life regression? It really um, was first introduced to me when I was a kid, when my mother um, attended a luncheon where the subject was um, this woman who had been regressed in this book called The Search for Bridie Murphy. It's a very famous, famous past life regression case from the 1970s where this lady had allergies and she went to their hypnotherapist to resolve those. And she ended up resolving that problem in her past lives in Ireland. So my mom bought the book and basically we're talking about it at the family dinner table when I was a kid. So it was first put into my mind then And then as an adult, um, a friend had passed away in an accident. And many years later, after some, a lot of unresolved grief and things, somebody said, well, why don't you just have a past life regression and see if there's a connection there? And I did. And I realized there was a connection there. And then once I noticed that, then that heavy energy of grief and burden that I had been carrying for many years just kind of went away so quickly. I said, wow, you know, this is something I want to do for other people. So I've been doing it now for, you know, 20 years. Wow. Yeah. I do remember you told me that before, but this is a great refresher for those who have not listened to the other episode, which if you have pause this one, go back to the other one, <laughs> listen to that first. Cause it's awesome. Um, how do you describe past life regression to those who aren't familiar? It really is a, to me, it's a healing modality. It's like a process. Um, a lot of people ask, well, do I, do I need to believe in reincarnation for this to work? Uh, I think most people who have a regression are probably open to that, but it isn't necessary. Um, what we're doing is most people will come in, they have an issue they're trying to resolve And to make it as simplified as possible, most of our issues as human beings fall into love and relationships, health or security, financial stability, et cetera, prosperity. And so they are coming in for some issue and I'm trying to get them to go back to an important time in the past where there's something that needs to be healed. So theoretically that important time in the past could have, could have happened last week. It could have happened when they were a kid or it might've happened back in the middle ages. And so we just take them back there. And then what happens is they're having this visionary encounter. Let's say they're in the middle ages and they're, they're looking out their eyes. They're seeing what they're feeling as themselves in a different scenario. And then I'll take them through this process where I'll say, okay, great. So what were you doing there? Um, How does whatever you were doing there, how is that applying to what we're doing now? Or how is that related to this issue that you're trying to resolve? And they'll go, oh my gosh, you know what? I was doing this back then and I don't need to do that anymore because I need to do X, Y, Z instead. And they'll, they'll tell themselves a story. And then through this shift in perspectives, they're able to let go very quickly of a lot of burdens and just, just let that stuff go and move on and say, okay, I don't need to do that anymore. Great. And then just move forward with a new inner feeling that hopefully is very empowering and helpful. Mm, That is true. I've experienced that myself. I've let go of a few limitations just by doing it, you know? I think that's something really special. And uh, I get met with a lot of skeptics, you know? You're like, oh, I don't know if I believe them works. And it's like, well... Try not to have any beliefs about it. Just try it once and see like, what, what, what do you have to lose really, you know? And, uh, yeah, I don't think, yeah, I agree with that. Just open, be open to it. Yeah, just try it once. I mean, 
you never know you could learn something and um it's it's difficult for me to describe the kind of stigma that surrounds it i think that sometimes we get a little bit carried away with our preconditioned ideas about the world and coming from maybe it's a christian type background or maybe we've been burned by christianity or something so we've gone all the way to something else and we tend to allow these things to color our perception of other healing modalities and um i think to sum that up you know why is it that people think that it's fiction some people really do believe it's fictional you know like you just have pieces of memories or and things are put together do you have any idea why that would be well i think one thing is that i i personally do believe in reincarnation so i do believe we've lived before but when we go into these places you know there's no way to really prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was actually a past life because it could also be that you're just tapping into um, the collective consciousness or an archetype or something like that. So, or, well, the other thing that people really can tap into that's being proven by science now is um, memories of the ancestors. You know, they're starting to do a lot of studies that are proving that part of our personality up to 50% of how we're acting is brought through our DNA and so sometimes we might even be remembering things that happened to our ancestors. And I have another whole book about that, but that's another story because we can go and take visionary encounters with our ancestors and send them healing, or we can go into past lives. So there's no, but still, there's no way to, to know for sure. And, and when you talk about a fiction, I, I think that's true as well. I mean, people think it, it's very common for somebody to say, oh, where did this stuff come from? This is crazy. I feel like I'm making this up. I've even said that because part of you is still awake to the things that you're saying. But yet when a question is posed, something just pops in out of nowhere and you're thinking to yourself, or at least I am, I'm going, wait a minute. If I was going to make that up, would I have made that up? I mean, <laughs> I think I would have made something else up. And so that's one of the things that I, am, I found validating about it. And really it's more about it's about the, the story that we're telling and how we're using that story from the past to write a new story in our present so that we can be happier in the now. That's really the only reason why we do this. So even if it is a fiction, even if it is stuff we're making up, I say as long as it yields happiness and greater peace in the present moment, then that's really the only purpose to do it anyway. Because I'm not, certainly I can't prove it and It'd be exciting if we could. I don't know if that's going to happen yet in our lifetime, though. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with everything you're saying, uh, really. I mean, even if I made all that stuff up, then why did I heal? You know, <laughs> why did I get better from it? You know, like wh whether it was made up or not, then great. People get better from placebos all the time, right? That's so, right. Uh, you know, yeah, I just, don't know. <laughs> yeah, take the gift and say thank you. You know, the other thing though, you know, they do have people, there are regressionists who spend a very long time trying to prove certain cases. They had a case of, uh, I can't remember the full details of it, but it was this little child 
that remembered that they were with their parent and took them to the village and knew the names of all these people. So, you know, there are cases where people have actually proven like, how could this little kid, you know, play these musical instruments or how could they know this village and know everything in it when they can barely even speak because they're not old enough to, or whatever, you know, there's all kinds of miraculous things that do happen that do tend to lend some credibility to the fact that this is definitely possible. Yeah, I have to apologize at this moment. There's some noise happening in the background. I think something must have happened with a tree and they're trying to cut it. Um, so hopefully that won't disrupt the interview at all. Um, but yeah, I do agree with everything you've said. Uh, I feel like um, when it comes to past lives and I guess the more... I don't even know if it's the right way to word it. The lesser spoken about healing modalities, you know, I think there's going to be this layer of skepticism that we have to pass through and people think maybe there's some kind of a requirement for it. But a question I've asked before is, okay, so if you have a trauma when you are a kid, it say it's really bad. Say you lost all your parents in a car accident or something, hypothetically, and it affected you throughout your entire life. How is that any different to having an experience that you possibly can't remember from a past life that affects you? It's still information that's in the body, which suggests some level of DNA movement, interference, storage, whatever you want to call it. And if the subconscious mind is just a hard drive that carries all of this information, how is a past life not possible? You know, <laughs> I don't want to sound like I'm trying to prove to the, the skeptics here or anything, but it, these are questions that you could ask yourself to open yourself up to the possibility. Yeah, it's a really great point because if you did have something like that happen, you know, maybe consciously you couldn't even remember what happened to your parents, let's say if that happened, but somewhere in there, that memory is down there because the subconscious buries it to keep us safe. And so likewise, I do believe that we're, our eyes and our bodies, we're just like a little movie camera and we're just picking all of this stuff up that we see. In modern psychology, though, they say that you can only really consciously remember and recall at this moment, seven chunks of information. That's not a lot of information. When you think about, especially these days, we've got Netflix, we've got content, we've got programming on YouTube. Uh, we've got all kinds of stuff going into our brain. It's all going in there. So it's just a matter of asking the right questions and pulling those things up. Yeah. <laughs> seven chunks of information. That's why telephone numbers are seven digits usually, right? <laughs> yeah. And even them, I don't remember anymore because we don't use them. <laughs> Pushing a button is a little different than having to dial it, you know? Yeah. So true. So with that, can anybody access past lives? Do you need some kind of training? What, what's that about? I really believe that everybody can access this information. Um, some people really are saying I, I can never do that. Um, I think we talk ourselves out of it in some cases because typically like in all my books, I've got tons of journeys that people can take. So readers can actually go on these journeys themselves. They can record them on an app or whatever they like to do. And then when you go on it, there um, are places written into those scripts that's going to ask you questions, questions that you've never been asked before. And so the mind is going to reach down into that storehouse of all this stuff 
that's beyond the seven chunks and pull up certain information when you are asked that. And so sometimes what happens is people say, well, maybe they don't want to, maybe they feel like they're not in control, but that's also really not true because when you're in this alpha state, the brain waves are either going, you know, beta very quickly or alpha. We're really staying in that alpha state, which would be like, I'm doing yoga or I'm going to do some light meditation. So in that state, the conscious mind is still very aware of everything we're doing, which is why sometimes when these images come up, even I'm going, wow, that feels like I'm making this up. But yet this image is coming out of somewhere. It's coming out of that pool of memories. And then if we can just allow ourselves to be okay with, yes, I understand it feels like we're making this up. So can you just go stand in the corner and let's just go with this thing anyway. And let's just see where it carries us because it's kind of similar to dream imagery, right? I mean, we don't really know where all that stuff's coming from. And I'm sure everybody out there watching this right now, y'all have all had some really weird dreams. If you're like me, you wake up and go, what in the heck was that? You know, that's crazy but yet we couldn't suppress it, right? Because it just came out. And so likewise, this material, we're still consciously aware. So we can step in and say, no, I don't want to see that right now. Or, or I, I'm not getting anything. But I, I think that most people who want to try this are usually able to. Um, and again, sometimes it's just re, re, or I should say allowing ourselves just to open up to the imagination and to that part of ourself that's really a little bit different than how we're trained to behave in this material world that we're living in. Yeah. And I wanted to say that, you know, perhaps people are a little bit hesitant about the hypnosis part of it. Yeah. I think it does tend to get maybe a bad rap, but the thing is, it's not, you're not, you're not unconscious. You're fully aware of everything that's going on. All you're doing is doing some deep breathing. We're bringing a light through and we're just relaxing. So we're, again, we're taking a beta brainwave. that's very, very quick and just slowing the brainwaves down. This would be the same state that you would be in if you were trying to relax. Let's say you were laying on the beach or you were trying to do some yoga or some meditation. So in that state, it sounds counterintuitive, but you're actually in more control of yourself than you are when you're just in beta consciousness because you have, um, that's the healing state. The body heals in that state. And so you're very aware of the body and the bodily actions, the breath, and you're aware of the mind all at the same time. So I think that's a big fiction that does sometimes um, go around that is just simply not true. Yeah. Is there anything that you have to do to prepare for a regression? That's a great question. Um, well, now, see, my thing now is all my books have these guided imagery in them. So I'm really trying to help people to help themselves. And so to get the most out of whether it's past life regression or whether it's your meditation practice, your yoga, I don't care what kind of spiritual practice you're doing. Um, I think that there's a couple different places where you can start to prepare. You could prepare your own sacred space within your home or office, put all your comfy blankets or your music or your candles, your essential oils, the chair that you love, put all those things together. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be fancy, but just find a place 
Um, I have one exercise in one of my books. I don't remember which one where we, we actually, I, guy, I asked people to just go around their house. This is a good idea, believe it or not, we, because we're so, again, we only have seven chunks up at the surface. So have you ever stopped to just take some time to go around your house and just try out all of the seating in your house? And if you do, I think you will find, wait a minute, there's some places in your home that you feel a little bit better than in other places. So if you can, I mean, I know we live with roommates, we have spouses and kids and stuff, but to the best of your ability, could you then kind of confiscate that space? Or even if you have to do temporarily moving in there when no one's around or whatever, and just make that in your inner mind, your space in the external world. And then the guided journeys, we do relaxation, and then we're going to walk through a doorway that's in your mind. And we're going to go into the internal sacred space, which would be like a room that is of your own creation. It has all your fuzzy blankets and your music and your essential oils or whatever it is people like out there. Cause you know, everybody is different. Everybody likes different things. All the things you maybe don't have in your real life, you can have all this stuff in your internal room. So all the journeys begin from the same space that you've created in your mind. And the journey becomes easier to take if you're always sitting in that same space in your home or office, because the subconscious mind again, starts to get into the habit and go, Oh, I guess we're getting ready to do something here. So it's speaking to you at a very, very subconscious level. So that the more you use it, it's kind of like working out at the gym. If we go doing some weightlifting program, we might start out with some small weights and then we just kind of build up. But the more we go in there and we keep going to the routine, then we start to build up that practice. And then it just becomes easier and easier over time to find the answers to the questions that we have that I really believe that all the answers to the questions that we have about ourselves, we can find them within ourselves if we know how to go about that process. So Shelly, what are some of the main areas that we can discover by doing a past life regression? You can really, I mean, gosh, I think any issue that somebody could, could think of right now, any of your viewers can think right now, what's one issue you want to know about love and relationships, or maybe they've got a horrible boss at work or a coworker driving them bananas, or they've got a family member, you know, not that, not that any of your viewers have problems with relationships, but you know, it tends to be one of the biggies. Um, so a lot of the regressions are about that. Maybe you just want to know, is there any healing I could do with this boss that doesn't seem to like me? Or is there something to that that's more, maybe you've tried everything and it isn't working. That's, that's usually what sometimes brings people to this kind of a thing is they've tried everything else. It isn't working. So they're going to try something a little bit um, more out of the ordinary. Uh, maybe health challenges. I really never want to make any claims health-wise about what things could do in this realm. But, you know, let's say you have a diagnosis. Maybe you just want to get some answers about source events of those things or deeper healing that you can do to go along with whatever medical treatments being offered. Um, and then of course, one of the biggies that I've seen again and again is people are working on prosperity issues. Like they're having a hard time maybe accumulating anything or they can't make enough money. So that is really an interesting area because what I found is a lot of people um, are able to uncover the fact that somewhere in a past life, they potentially made a vow. Like they could have taken a vow of poverty, for example, and they were a monk or something. And then 
they're like, oh, wow, well, no wonder I can't accumulate anything. So then they have to go into that space, get the learnings and understand, okay, that was then. And what is our sole purpose now, which is likely different. And can we bless that, take those learnings and then move forward and start creating more prosperity? That That's one of a really good way we can use this kind of thing. That's and then anything else, anything else you can think of. <laughs> yeah, that's why great. do I love beaches? Why do I love dolphins? You know, it could be that simple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the reason why there's people who feel drawn to living by the beach. Maybe they move from somewhere and they're like, "Oh, I've always loved the beach," and they decide in their later years or something. Just to give an example, that they want to spend the rest of their days by the beach because they've always felt they've always felt connected that you know could be anything um about the dreams personally for myself what has been happening over the past couple of years is i kind of realized i'm seeing past lives in my dreams because a lot of it's like i'm just watching a movie and it has nothing to do with my everyday surroundings or anything like that. Places I've never been to. So I don't think that my subconscious could piece together bits and pieces from other things. It was like, I know for sure that has not happened in real life. You know? I think that's very possible. And, you know, you're somebody who does a lot of spiritual work. So you tend to remember those dreams. I, I, I would be... Um, I would guess that a lot of people probably dream about their past lives, but we sometimes just don't remember our dreams when we wake up or we're, we're very quick to judge and we're very quick to say, that was weird. I got to go to work or let me go get a cup of coffee. Whereas you're a lot more aware of that. So, so what kind of places did you dream of? Like, what did it look like? Oh, I'm trying to remember one from recently that was really bizarre. It was like, I was driving in a, a vehicle of some kind, but it didn't really appear to be on a flat surface, it seemed mountainous, but it did not seem like a forest or anything that I would have seen on TV or seen in real life or anything like that. The sky was not blue. The sky was like a very light, a weird shade of like, what's that color? I want to say it's like mauve or something. It wasn't pink, yeah. it wasn't orange. It was just very hazy, you know? And that's the thing that kind of jarred me in the dream. Wait a minute, the sky should be blue. And so I realized I was dreaming and I just kind of brought myself to a center position, if you will. And I realized, and then once I did that, I could see myself doing stuff in the dream. And I was with a group of people that I didn't recognize at all. And we seemed to be having some kind of a, not an argument, a disagreement one person wanted to do this thing i didn't think it was a good idea something like that and it was very confusing <laughs> it was very confusing wow. to say the least because i didn't know those people i didn't know that scenery it could not have been something from this world and there were even a couple of animals that i saw that appeared to look like animals from like a deer and birds but it's unlike anything i'd ever seen like their eyes didn't look right or anything like that you know it didn't just it was all messed up <laughs> it just caught me off guard wow. and it's one of the most interesting dreams i've had that's why i brought that one up 
I'm trying to remember another one that was recent as well, where I, I saw chickens, but the chickens didn't look like chickens really, except for the beak and the comb and maybe the tail feathers and stuff like that. So that's how I kind of knew it was a chicken. Because you have chickens there, right? Because I, I remember I, that I from our last episode. I chickens with you right now. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And and why I brought that up, though, is because yeah, everybody, including you, knows that I love chickens. So I wonder to myself when I woke up, if that was potentially a past life, is that where I get my affinity for chickens from? I think that's possible. You know, you're reminding me of something else um, that's very old that I haven't thought about in a long time. Back in the earlier 2000s, I had a friend, I had a dream one night, speaking of dreams, that I was driving on an island in the backseat of a taxi with this friend of mine, and the taxi driver drops him off. I went further down the island. They dumped me off. I got out. I knew all these people. I was working with them. And then I came back and I was going to pick him up in the cab again. And I woke up the next day and it was, it was a dream that was so real, you know, even though it was weird, kind of like what you're describing. So I called this friend. I said, man, I had the weirdest dream about you. And he said, I had the same dream. And he started actually describing the things that were in my head that I hadn't even told him yet. And so I said to him, my God, this is so weird. I wonder if we're living in parallel universes together. And so I started this whole research project that became a book back in 2005 called Beyond Reality, Evidence of Parallel Universes about taking clients into these multi-dimensions. And when you talk about the chickens, like what if there is some multiverse you know, because we don't really understand the nature of the unified field, right? There's lots of different kinds of life forms, speaking of aliens and multidimensional things. What if there really are these little coned chicken looking roosters that are in a different dimension that are similar to these here, but maybe that was your past life on another planet. Maybe that's in another dimension. I mean, I think it's all possible. That blows my mind because I have actually had that thought before. I so many times I've woken up and I was like, that had to be a parallel universe. And I wonder, this is probably getting away from the topic, but I wonder how much of our waking consciousness is something from a parallel universe, something ourself on another timeline did that is now connecting in this reality, you know? Yeah, you know, back when I first started that research, there was this, um, that was when um, that movie, What the Bleep Do We Know, was real popular. Everyone was into parallel universes, and now all of a sudden nobody talks about this anymore, but I happen to be holding some rocks, so they, I'm just going to pretend like these are universes. Let's just say these looked alike, which of course they don't. They were saying that, like, here's Earth, let's say, which is this rose quartz, and here's the other universe, and they're sitting right next to each other. So if if these were the planet's what if these little membranes are just bumping into each other? Maybe that's like the Bermuda Triangle. Or what if we just, the, the, the thought was, every time I make a decision, should I turn right or should I just keep going straight? That a new opportunity and a new whole world opens up through that and stuff. So it gets into like um, the power of our ability to make choices to unfold our destiny. And there was a lot of really weird stories, like one guy who, um, I met at an expo where I was speaking. He 
we, I took them on this parallel universe journey, which is in my book, ancient lands and other worlds. If people want to check this out. And he went to, um, New York and the twin towers were still standing. This was after nine 11 had happened. And so I asked him, well, what was different? And he said, well, the consciousness still had some problems, but things were just a little bit different. I, and he said, I don't know that something like that wouldn't happen in the future, but things were just slightly different in this place that he went. So, you know, there is the idea that there's different probabilities that are existing out here in space, which is far out and really mind bending. But when you talk about the deer with the eyes, they were kind of like deer, but they weren't. And definitely the chickens and stuff. I don't know. I'm just feeling like that feels really multidimensional to me when you're talking about that. Yeah. But we don't know. You know, we don't know. Yeah. First of all, it's crazy how we're both hanging on to rocks. I'm always hanging on to rocks when I'm doing these interviews. Oh, good. <laughs> so it's not just you. <laughs> um, but I suppose in a way that answers the question, can we know our past lives without a regression? Yeah, we can. I think we can. Yeah. Um, I wrote this book called blast from the past, which is about people who would travel to different places, including myself and have just really weird epiphanies happen about their past lives. And so then it doesn't become, you know, the idea is, Oh, I need to have a past life regression so that I can find out who I was in a past life. But in these cases, um, people are having a regression maybe to heal or to get more understanding about the place where they are sure that they lived, you know, in the past. So I think that we do have impulses and inputs, everything we're even, even if it's just watching a TV show, you know, are you watching the discovery channel? Are you watching about Atlantis? Are you watching ancient Egypt? You know, why are you drawn to certain kinds of content? I, I think, um, people should just kind of just say, Hmm, that is interesting. I never thought about that before, you know, cause I think we're giving ourselves clues all the time about our souls. And so it's just kind of interesting things to think about. I think. Hmm. Yeah. So do you believe that time is an illusion? I think it's happening all at once in some multiverse. So in that case, in the way that we put it here, like linear time, um, I think linear time is something that we had to create just so that we can make sure that we show up to things on time and, and can, you know, meet each other in this place. But I don't think it's linear at all. And a lot of the ancient cultures believe time was more cyclical, that it's just never ending. You know, that was more of an ancient way. And so in the Western world, in the modern world, we, we have to have linear time, which in regression, that's really good to have linear time because that's one of the ways that people are able to access these different memories is by going into more of a linear time kind of a thing, because that's what we're used to but I do not think it's linear. And so on that level, then yeah, I think how we relate to it is definitely some kind of an illusion. Yeah. Well, you know, I've read your book, but I don't want to give it away. I want you to give it away <laughs> for people. Tell, tell us a little bit about the ancient worlds that you talk about. Yeah. So this is, um, I've covered things in this book that I've never covered before. So we start out, there's part one is ancient lands. And so I'm going along a timeline. So we're starting from the earliest times on planet. Thank you very much. Um, of like prehistory hunter gatherers, 
people who um, maybe they don't even have language yet and they're out just stomping around trying to, you know, survive. And then there's exercises throughout the book. Like what are some of the issues that these people are going to face? And so sometimes really deep fears, fear is good when it keeps you safe, but too much of it sometimes needs to be healed. And so we've got some healing exercises for that. And then we go into, um, ancient Mesopotamia and Persia. These are areas that I've never written about before. And to what I said earlier about, you know, programming on TV, I really believe that for people to access different places in a soul history, they have to kind of be familiar with it from somewhere. Somebody must've talked to them about it or something. And, you know, uh, the last few years anyway, they've had a lot of really fascinating documentaries about Mesopotamia and more discussions about the Persian empire that's getting on mainstream television. And so I started having more of those kinds of cases to report on. And of course we've got to get into Egypt because everybody knows that's my favorite. So yes, we're going there, um, Greece and Rome. And then part two gets into what we're going to call, um, other worlds. And so I, um, had written some books for the Edgar Casey Foundation. Edgar Casey was that psychic who lived in the early 1900s who would go to sleep and in a trance, he told people medically what was wrong with them and told people about their past lives. So he really is the reason, in my opinion, that there's so much discussion about um, Atlantis, the lost continent, and this place called Lemuria, which was the place that predated Atlantis. And so over the years, and Casey also talked a lot about Egypt. And so because I know so many people who resonate with that material, I have always had a ton of clients who believe that, you know, Atlantis really isn't another world. It's a real world. A lot of people really believe that's a real place. I ap- I happen to believe it's a real place, but my publisher thought it was a little more otherworldly. Okay. So it's in the other world section. So I start out with Lemuria, which is the earliest one of these. And there in the Casey life readings, there were um, instances where Casey talked about the fact that before we decided to embody in a physical form, that we made a decision and we were all kind of up there in space being just loving energies and just floating around like little light bubbles in the universe. And then we came down into physical form into Lemuria, which was um, these very high frequency beings who were very loving. And then through earth changes, then they moved off into Atlantis And my cases really get into what I have found to be the three periods of Atlantis, the early period where they're still kind of migrating, the rise of Atlantis where there was lots of healing and lots of technology, technology that supposedly surpasses even what we have today. And then through what some say is greed, destruction, you know, they basically didn't do right and they destroyed the civilization. So in the case studies on Lemuria, it's so interesting occasionally I will take people back. We're trying to get them back to an earliest time. Some of them really will go back and they will regress into this space where they're a little light bubble in the universe, which is really interesting. I think it can be really healing to go into that space because they feel unconditional love and support and oneness that sometimes um, sadly is lacking perhaps in their daily life. And they need that 
that energy of love and pure beingness. And they can then tap into that feeling and bring it out into their awareness. So it can be very helpful. And again, I really feel like everybody goes back as far as whatever's for their highest good. So in those cases, it is pretty interesting. So I got so much stuff I want to say. This happens every time I talk to you, Shelly. <laughs> it's like a million questions. And I'm really grateful for people like Edgar Casey and Dolores Cannon who shed light on these things. You know, Raymond Moody who talks about these things. Brian Weiss talks about these kinds of th- otherworldly experiences because it gives us a chance to reconnect with parts of ourselves that we have just forgotten. And everybody that knows me knows the show. They know that I talk about how sometimes we get a little bit conditioned into being a human, but we forget about the being part, you know, (laughs) we become a human doing and not a human being. And we kind of lose sight of these things. So it's really great that now we have you doing this work out there and, and there's so many different new amazing perspectives that we can get from just taking in your work and hearing you speak about things. So with that, I want to say you have some exercises that people can, um, they can do in, in, in all, both the books I've read, there's exercises, right? And I guess that's a common theme for you in your, your work, you know? So if anybody's um, listening and they want to have something that they can hold in their hands and they can um, get some learning from, what would be your favorite exercise? Oh, wow. There's so many, I guess it depends what they need. You know, there's always a past life regression in every book. Um, I think one of the ones I really like, it's coming to mind. Um, it's in, I have another book called journeys through the Akashic records, which is basically Mm -hmm. as we've been talking about this multiverse, it's all the guided journeys that I've ever done throughout my whole career. And it takes people through all kinds of different doorways. There's one called, um, I think, wait a minute. I can't remember. I write a lot of books. I think there's a version of this in ancient lands also uh, about before we arrived where we, we are not going into past lives. We're going right up to a space where we can meet with our creator prior to our current incarnation and talk to the creator. However, it is, you know, the creator of our own understanding about, Hey, what is it that I'm getting ready to sign up for? Like we're showing up for work and we're getting ready to get our assignment. So what is it I'm getting ready to do here in this current life? And what ends up happening when people go into that space? I'm just now remembering that is in ancient lands. It's in both of these books, different versions of it, but it's very, very helpful because I think we're very hard on ourselves. Like you said, we're too busy doing and not being. And we, when we don't ever be, then we can't even remember all the things that maybe we've accomplished. And I think we're very hard on ourselves. And sometimes we feel down. We feel like we're not getting to where we need to go. And so sometimes this journey can be very powerful because you go, wait a minute. I didn't do that. You know, you find out what your purpose is. You go, Oh, wait a minute. I did do this, this, and this already. Oh, well maybe I'm not as behind as I thought I was or whatever. And I think it can be very empowering just to get, just a different perspective and just to try to give ourselves a pat on the back once in a while. I think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we need to be encouraged and there isn't anybody better to encourage ourselves than ourselves sometimes, (laughs) you know, I mean, yeah, agree. So 
it, the thing about the Persian thing that jogged my memory because years ago, one of my past lives was I was a big Persian guy, a, a tall guy. And I would wear like a weird bowler typed hat. And I had a very strange name. It was Jaani or something like that. They would call me by that name. And I was well known in the community because I was a gambler and I would scam a lot of people. <laughs> I would steal a lot of people's money. And how I died in that life was somebody shot me. I stole, I'd stole everything from them and they just like they shot me with some kind of a something. Seemed like an arrow type thing. Wow, that is interesting. Yeah. I remember when I felt that, it jarred me. And I started to come back from the past life very quickly. But I could see that that I had a horse and I could see a... a I wouldn't say a specific type of architecture because I always seemed to be viewing it from like eye level as if I was just standing next to the building. But I remember lots of things like that. And it's very interesting. That's interesting. The name that you said seems somewhat similar to your name in this current lifetime. Interesting as well, right? Yeah, because there's a, a theory, you know, again, is it true? I don't know, but that the soul, you know, chooses a lot of things, including their name. Mm-hmm. You yeah. think, well, mom and dad got a baby book, didn't they? No, maybe, maybe the soul actually talked to them about what they wanted to be called <sighs> on some level. You know, and that's interesting because... I was originally supposed to be named Jonathan and my mom, at least this is the story she tells me, she says she was very hesitant about it last minute. And my, my aunt Maxine wrote a book on baby names and she just decided to pick it up one day out of the clear blue. She's like, something's not right about that name. And she flipped through and she found this name and she's like, I like that better. And so she wow. just decided to call me that. So it's interesting. Maybe I did say, hey, you got the wrong name. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's that idea that when people are in utero, you know, when does, you can get into this whole thing, which I don't think anyone really knows either, but when does the soul actually pop in to the body, you know? And so maybe you just gave them the vibe. Um, excuse me, <laughs> I really want this other name, you know? And it started, you know, you started transmitting some psychic information to the family. Mm-hmm. so that you could get the name you wanted. Yeah. I, you know, I am starting to believe that I shouldn't say I'm starting to believe I have enough evidence from talking to people like you and uh, other hypnotherapists and stuff that that soul does transfer over as soon as possible, you know, and like the baby's just hanging out yelling at the parents, Hey, you going to do it. I'm ready. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. So uh, who knows? Who knows, really? It's, it's yeah. so much of this stuff seems to make sense to people like us. And then the more evidence we find, it, it's undeniable. But then I guess for others, they need a little bit more convincing, you know? I just like to think of the world as miraculous. That's just how I like to view things, you know? I mean, can we prove it? No, but can we have a belief and can we have hope and can we just see the world as this magical place where things are working out for us? And you're like that also. Could as well, because there's some crazy stuff that happens that's negative that's like, well, if that can happen, (laughs) why can't the good stuff be true too, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So where can we find you, Shelly? Uh, my website is pastlifelady.com because people cannot spell my last name very well. 
<laughs> and if they go to Past Life Lady, my book links there, they can go see my books and different things right off of that, that website. Awesome. Shelly, thanks for being on the Boundless Authenticity podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to see you and to talk to you again. I love it. Love it. Thank you again.